Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. Um, I had a really great opening and everything just really planned there, and now it's all blown. But anyway, I don't know. Sometimes stuff fails. But anyway, before we get started, I do want to introduce a couple of people that are, that are with us today. Uh, Matt and Penny Hudson. Would you all mind standing up so everybody, and give everybody a wave? Matt was the pastor here before I came, and he, you were here 10 years, right? Thank y'all. And uh, so there's literally nothing here that you can't blame either one of us for, so just have at it. All the stuff you don't like, blame it on him and whatever, no. Um, but Matt left here and went to the mission field. They went to Portugal for a while, and then they came back to the States and pastored. And now he's working for the International Mission Board again and is over missionaries um, in several different regions and um, we're, he has been assigned to our church um, to make connections with. So if you'd like to meet with him or talk to him after the service, I know they'll be available to talk well into the darkness if you'd like. So anyway, <laughs> but if you've ever had a desire like to serve for a short term or, or even long term as a missionary, this is a great guy to talk to. And um, he'll be available for a while after the service. We appreciate him coming. And um, I hope you'll show them all the courtesy that, they deserve, and uh, being here 10 years was um, quite an accomplishment, and um, I appreciate y'all's ministry and what you do now, and look forward to years of being able to um, serve together. And our church has been very committed to the um, Interna- International Mission Board, and uh, as a matter of fact, we've been one of the top givers, if not the top giver in our county and our association for numerous years, and have even gotten rewards for being in our Size range, one of the per capita givers across the state of Texas. So uh, missions is something that we are uh, very committed to, and we send um, people on mission trips uh, in different places. We've gone to Haiti a number of years, and uh, we're looking at one right now um, in another place. And then uh, we also sponsor churches in our, in our country, and so we're, we're excited about that. Um, I am wearing blue today in honor of the Brock Eagles that won their playoff game and are going to the next round. Give them a hand. Yes, I know it's not the right blue, but it's what I had, so give me a break. All right, so anyway, um, today we're talking about uh, knowledge and wisdom and what the difference between those things can be. And I want you to go and turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. We're going to read from there. Um, you know, there's, there was a thing I know when I was growing up, and, and I know some people still feel that way, that, that your faith is in opposition to science or knowledge or other things, and that's not the case. But what I do want you to see is that knowledge has limits, and there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And as believers, we want to seek out, uh, it, it's good to have knowledge, knowledge is a good thing, but we most of all want to live by wisdom. And we're going to talk about what the difference in those two things are. So we're going to start in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. If you'd please stand and honor the reading of God's word. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For whatever, wherever there is jealousy and selfish, selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil of every kind. 
But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, one of the things about our day and age is that we have more knowledge readily available than at any time in history. You know, even from the time when I was um, a young man, as John would like to say, when we went to school and, you know, buggies and stuff like that, which is not really true. But, you know, we would, if you wanted to know something, let's say you were assigned a report on an individual or a state or whatever, you'd go down to the library and you'd look up in this thing called a Dewey Decimal System. How many, does anybody under 30 even know what that is? Anybody? All right. Pretty sure that was, that came from demonic wisdom, but anyway, that's a whole other story. But you had to go in there, and it had all these numbers and then dots and then more numbers, and that would tell you the section and then the area in the library where you could go and get a book on that subject. So you'd spend 30 minutes looking through all these little cards in this file thing, and then you'd find a book, and you'd go look at it, and you'd bring it back to your table, and you'd look at it for 30 minutes and realize, this is not the book that I need. And then you'd go back and start all over again. And now if you about a person or a state or something like that, you just Google it on your phone, and you immediately have access to all kinds of information that you never had before. You have, If you want to know how to do something in your home or on your vehicle or how to make something, you can... Instead of having to go ask somebody or hunt somebody down that might have at one time made that, you can look on YouTube and see a whole video of somebody explaining it. Now, whether or not they know what they're talking about, that's a whole other question. But it's all kinds of knowledge that's available that never was. And yet here we are as a nation and in the world we live in making dumb decisions every day. And there's more knowledge than has ever been available but there's also less wisdom that's being exercised in our culture and in our world. So why is that? Well, in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, gives us a hint. It says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. So here's the progression of it. There's... God has made it obvious to everyone who's ever lived that he exists and that he created things. There's a creator behind the creation. But what happens is when people reject the truth that comes from God, then they begin to make up lies about their own God. They choose what they want to believe. You hear people say all the time, well, you know what, I just can't believe in a God who would blank. And so what they've done is they substitute what they want God to be instead of receiving who God really is. And that leads to the second thing. 
it says they became dark and confused. And I think that's a pretty good description of the world that we live in and even our country. It's dark and it's confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And so what happens is when you refuse to accept who God is, you make up for yourselves who you want God to be. And there are tons of people out there that claim to have some kind of hold on Christianity, but all they're doing is promoting a God that they have made up in their own minds. And they take what they want from the Scripture, and they reject everything else. And that leads to confusion. It leads to chaos. You see, the things that are of God, there's an order to it. There's an order to creation. There's an order to the way God designed for man to live. But when we reject those truths, there comes chaos and disorder and every kind of evil thing. So it also says in 1 Corinthians 20, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20 through 25. So where did this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. So here's the thing. You cannot find God through human thinking or human wisdom. Now, I want to make something clear. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. Nowhere does God say, I want y'all be stupid, okay, and not know nothing. We're supposed to be not. We're supposed to be smart. We're supposed to have knowledge. We're supposed to seek knowledge. There's nothing wrong with education. Education's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with knowing about certain things, about having knowledge. All those things are good. But here's the deal. When we begin to rely on those things over God's word, we're going to get into a mess. And when we begin to elevate what man thinks over what God has told us, we're going to get into a mess. I'm going to tell you something that's, that's one of the simplest examples. For, for years and years, my family, we have sought to follow God with our finances. And one of the things that God's Word tells us to do is that 10% of our income belongs to Him and to return that to His house, bring that in the storehouse of God. And when you do that, whatever you give, there's a portion that stays here, there's a portion that goes overseas for missions, there's a portion that goes to a church plant in San Antonio and one in Colorado. Every, everything that we give, that goes different places, okay? But here's the deal. 10% of that that comes to me, that's God's. Now, if I was to sit down with a financial planner or an accountant who was not a believer, they would say, well, what are you, what are you doing with that 10%? Well, I'd bring that to God's house and I'd give that to him. Well, that's dumb. You could use that 10% to increase your retirement or to pay down this bill or to do that or to do all these things. And so it doesn't make sense from a pure human logic standpoint to take 10% of what I, I make or that comes into our home and give that to the church. But here's the problem with that. God's word says, bring that into my storehouse. And then he says, test me in this and see if I don't open up stores of blessing for you. And so what we do is we don't even think about it. That's the first thing that comes out of our money is the part that goes to the church. And the, the bottom line with that is, is that God has provided for us all through the years. 
even when they're, you might look at it and think, man, you might really need that 10% somewhere else. Uh-uh. I know that following God's wisdom and God's law is the best way to take care of my family. That even though it may not make sense from a mathematical standpoint, it certainly does from a spiritual standpoint. And the God of the heavens tells you this is the way to make sure your family's taken care of. Because when you give to God and you return unto him what is his, he will make sure. He provides. He brings money when we've needed it. Even when it was beyond what we made. You know, one of the... You know, I've told you many times about the stories of, of our adopting our, all of our children. And one of them ended up costing us 80000 bucks, And that was a lot more money than we had or that we made. But you know what? We, made, we were faithful to God during all that time. We didn't take what was God's and put it towards that bill. But throughout just a couple of years, God paid off all that money by providing for us what we needed that was beyond what we made. Because that's what God does. That's biblical wisdom. That's godly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. God's wisdom works, okay? Even when it doesn't match up to what you might think was the, was the, the logical thing, if you add one plus two, that equals three. Let me tell you something. Whenever you add it in God's mathematics, it always works, and it always works out. So here's the thing. I want us to look at a couple things. Where does wisdom begin? Where does godly wisdom begin? Where does earthly wisdom begin? What are some of the, the characteristics of biblical wisdom versus some of the characteristics of earthly wisdom? First of all, wisdom begins with God. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. That's Psalm 111.10. So here's the thing. It's when I put God first, and it's not fear as in, you know, huddling over in the corner afraid, it's fear as in awe and reverence. That you know what? God knows more than I do. God is going to give me the right way. I'm going to follow his ways. I'm going to have reverence for him in everything that I do. And I'm not going to allow the fear of the world or the fear of man's wisdom or the fear of knowledge even to overcome what I know about God. I know that following him is the best way. And so you... You put that first in your life. There's a fear, there's an awe, there's a reverence of God. And when that comes, that's the foundation of wisdom. That's the foundation that says, I don't care what the world says, I don't care what uh, the, the going thing is, I'm going to follow him. And that's going to be right. And that's going to be, in the end, it's going to bless me when I follow him. Proverbs 8, 9 through 12 my words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. So God's wisdom lives with good judgment. We need to desire his wisdom more. You know, sometimes we think that knowledge solves things. Knowledge doesn't solve anything. You know, I've known people that, that were going through a difficult time and they thought, or, or even in a loss, if I just knew why, it would make it better. But it never does. Why doesn't change the suffering of the world? Why, why doesn't change the loss that we feel 
of a loved one or the grief that we feel in the loss of a loved one. It doesn't change those things. God's wisdom is the only thing that can comfort us during those times. Now, there are three types of earthly wisdom. There's three sources of it. And all of us deal with those three sources. One of those verses I read to you in James. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart. See, that's what comes along with earthly wisdom. You know, we can see that a lot in the world today. The world says, hey, do this. If somebody does something to you, you respond. You don't just let them get away with it. You, you, you go back at them. If somebody's ahead of you in the world, you want to get ahead of them. If somebody's being successful, you want to be more successful. If somebody's doing this, you want what they've got. That brings bitter jealousy. It brings selfish ambition. And then when we're successful for a period of time, we're, it's boasting and lying. Those things accompany earthly wisdom. You know, one of the things that just amazes me is the aplomb with which people will just lie in the culture that we live in, the day and age we are. Now, I've always, I mean, I've always expected politicians to lie to me. And I bet you have too. If you think they've got your best interests at heart, I'm not saying there aren't some that are trying to follow the Lord, but as a whole, take everything they say with a grain of salt, all right? And, and here's part of the deal that goes along with that is I've never seen more lying come from our leaders. I don't care which party that you're a part of. I, it, it's ridiculous to me. They lie even when it's obvious that what they're saying is a lie, just to stick to the party line. And that's not a party thing. It's not a political thing. I'm not trying to judge one side or the other. I know some guys. I know two congressmen personally. I know they're good men. And I know they're trying to do the right thing. But I also know that Washington has a way of turning people. Y'all ever notice that? That's one of the good things about this microphone. I can't do that with that other one. It's all the same, but now I can... Do this for emphasis. All right. <laughs> it's a gift. So we need to be careful about what we're listening to, that a lot of times selfish ambition gets in the way of doing the right thing. And that happens with us as well. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. God's wisdom does not tell us to do what's best for us. You know, we're doing this series called Uneasy about things in the Bible that are just kind of hard to sometimes. I'm going to tell you what one of the hardest ones for me is. You know that scripture where it says if someone strikes you or slaps you up one side of the cheek, turn to them the other also? I struggle with that. Anybody else? Is that not? I mean, that's hard. But see, that's what godly wisdom tells us is that don't strike back. Don't try to get revenge. Do what honors God and let God deal with everything else. That's hard for us. It's easier to think, man, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take care of this. But that's earthly wisdom. That's not godly wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And that's the three sources. The, the three sources are the world, what the world tells you is successful. What the world tells you, this is how you need to do it. This is how you need to live. This is the best way. Then the second one is unspiritual or things of the flesh. Those are the things of our desires. Well, I want this. 
And so I'm going to get it. I'm going to do what I have to to get it. And then the third thing is demonic. The enemy lies to us. And sometimes we buy into his lies. You know what the first one was in the Garden of Eden? The devil told Eve, he said, if you eat this fruit, you're going to be just like God. You're going to be just like God. And that's the lie that he tries to tell us today. If you do this, you're going to get everything you want, everything that God's trying to keep from you. The devil lies. And unfortunately, sometimes we buy it. Sometimes we make excuses for our flesh. Well, this is what I want. And we try to find a way to justify the actions that go along with getting what we want. That's earthly wisdom. And then sometimes it's just we want to fit in with the rest of the world. Or this, I've even heard, well, you know what? This, all kind, everybody does it this way. That's following the world's wisdom. And it will always lead to destruction and heartache. Now, there might be a moment, a fleeting moment of pleasure, but there's an old saying, and I didn't make this up. This came from preachers from long ago, that sin will take you farther than you want to go, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And it'll never deliver on its promise. So be careful about where the wisdom that you are following comes from. What is the source of it? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. Here's one of the, the problems with accepting some earthly wisdom or worldly wisdom is when you choose and you, you choose to disobey God, you refuse to obey him, you've given the enemy a beginning. You've given him a foothold in your life. And you know something? There's something about that first lie in there, that first decision. We think, well, this is all it's going to be, but there's always something that comes behind it, isn't it? There's always another lie you have, to, you have to tell. There's always another action that you have to do in disobedience to God's word. There's always more because earthly wisdom is designed to destroy you, to eat you up, to take everything you have. That's what the enemy wants to do. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he's never satisfied until you're completely destroyed. Those lies, well, you know what? It's just going to be a little thing. It's just going to be a little lie. It's just a little sin. Always lead to a little bigger and then bigger and then bigger. That's how sin works. And that's how earthly wisdom works. It will seek to destroy you. Now, what are the marks of godly wisdom? And here's some of the differences. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Here's one of the things about godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is eternal. Okay? It is always true. What God says in the Bible is a sin is always going to be a sin and always has been a sin. And people will try to tell, well, we know so much more now. We know that's not a big deal. We know that's not. Hey, the fact that it's, you have more knowledge about something doesn't change whether it's right or wrong. God's wisdom is from above first. It comes from him. See, knowledge can be 
sought after and found. We've found out all kinds of things. We know more about the human body than we ever knew. You know, now we have DNA. And it's amazing to me to watch how they're using technology from, from that's recently been discovered and able to go back 30, 50, 60 years and solve crimes that were, there was no way they could have found out back then. And they're doing that now by knowledge, and that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what all that knowledge does? It still points to a Savior. It points to a God. I mean, how could it be that every single person on this earth has a different DNA? How could they all be different? That's because God created us that way. We're all unique. And so the wisdom that comes from God comes to us from the Lord. And sometimes people want to put that in opposition to knowledge, but knowledge supports true wisdom, real knowledge. Okay? And so here's the thing. It comes from God, and it never changes. What was wrong a 1,000 years ago is wrong today. What God said was sin back on the mountain when he gave the Ten Commandments, it's sin today. It doesn't change. And people want to try to use knowledge. Well, we know more. We're, we're more enlightened. We may have more knowledge, but I, I'd, I'd venture to say we're probably a lot less wise than some of the generations that went before us. And I'm talking about us as a, as a whole, obviously not y'all particularly, because y'all are wise, all right? That's the, that's the nature of godly wisdom. It's eternal. It comes from God, and it lasts forever. James 3, 17 through 18, but the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's pure, it's right, and it's true. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. See, knowledge, people that say they have knowledge about something or they believe something, if it's not godly knowledge, it'll often lead to chaos and it'll lead to conflict. But godly wisdom leads to peace. It's gentle. It's merciful. It shows no favoritism. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times people through the years have come to me with, Something that, you know what, if you just put, put a little money in here and get some other people to do it, you'll be rich. And I'm like, okay. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. Because some of these people that pulled up to my house to give me this get-rich-quick scheme, I ain't trying to be rude, but they were driving like a hoopty. You know what a hoopty is? Like four different tires. Look like I'm probably going to have to give them a ride home because it don't even look like it's going to start again. And I'm like, why am I taking financial advice from you when you're driving a hoopty and going to need me to tow you home with a strap? If I want to find out somebody, if I want to find out financial information, I want, you know what I want to find? I want to find the most generous person I know. I want to find somebody that gives to other people. Because that's who God continues to bless are people that are always given what God's blessed them with. I don't want to find somebody... Now, if that guy's driving a hoopty because he gave his car, you know, somebody else, then we'll talk. But I want to see proof of it in your life before I'm going to take your knowledge. I want to see that you've done it, that you can do it. Not just that you're telling me you found some scheme. We need to look for good deeds, the fruit of good deeds, a life well lived, a life of wisdom. 
And you know what? You'll hear this. Here's another lie that you get from earthly wisdom. Well, you know what? The, the wisest people are, you know, people who've made mistakes. Hey, everybody makes mistakes. But if that were true, then we would be driving down to the prison every week to ask what the smartest thing to do was. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. The wisdom is from above is pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. So there are hallmarks that come with godly wisdom. There are decisions that we have to make about who we're going to listen to, about what we're going to follow. The message of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1.18, is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. You know, there's no way in the world that the story of Christianity and the truth of what Jesus did makes sense. I mean, does it? No other culture. Cultures a lot of times make up their own gods. But in no circumstance would anybody make up. The thing about Christianity is it is so far beyond the logic of human that nobody even has made up a story close to it. All the rest of them are some version of this, that God came down and he told you how you could fix it yourself because y'all done messed up. You got to do this deed. You got to do that. You got to do this. But you know what Christianity is? God looked down and said, man, y'all just are not following my laws. And he came up with his own way, his own plan. Fix it for us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And didn't wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable. He was born where no one was there. A bunch of sheep herders came up. They were the only ones who saw that night. And he lived on this earth for 30 years in anonymity, just living life so that he could understand what we went through every day. He was tempted just as we are and yet without sin. And then when that, three, when that 30 years was up, he began a ministry and he went around telling people things that didn't make sense to him. Hey, I've come that you might have life, you might have it to the full. Who would think that God himself would come down and walk around on this earth in our skin, skin like ours? That's amazing. And that he would choose to die on the cross for my sins and for yours. You can't even make something like that up. That's why people have a hard time understanding it. The message of the Christ is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But to we who are being saved, it is the very power of God. See, that's the difference between godly wisdom and human wisdom. Human wisdom says fix it yourself. Godly wisdom says only God can fix it for you. Now, here's the last thing. We all need wisdom. I mean, I think everybody agrees. agree, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd like some wisdom. Well, I'm going to tell you in the Scripture, there's a very specific passage that, sh- that tells us that we can have wisdom from God if we ask for it. But now there's a condition, okay? It's James 1, 5 through 8. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. 
he will not rebuke you for asking. So it doesn't matter how many times you've asked God for wisdom or how many times you've blown it when you asked him for wisdom. It doesn't even matter how many times you've asked for something that was similar. You're never going to hear God go, (laughs) dude, you have used your limit of wisdom. No more for you. God would never say that to you. He is generous. And he will give it to you. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. You don't get to God, you don't get to come to God and say, hey, God, could you tell me what your plan is? Because I'm evaluating. You know, I know I got here how the world does it. There's things about that that look pretty good to me. Seriously thinking about that one. Or, you know what, God, I want to see what you would say. And then I'm going to pick and I'm going to choose. That's not how it works. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Your loyalty has got to be to him first. And you know how you get God's wisdom about what to do with that situation in your life or that thing you're, you're asking for or asking about? is that you determine before you even ask, I'm going to do whatever you tell me, God, whether it makes sense to me or not. You know, there have been times I hadn't followed God's wisdom. There have been times I've blown it, I've made mistakes just like everybody else. But you know, when I came to this church, matter of fact, any church that I went to, there was one thing that God told me before I started this journey and, and where he was taking me, And one thing that I've followed every single time, I've never asked how much I was going to be paid. As a matter of fact, I didn't find out how much I was going to make here until after I had agreed to come here. And the reason for that is probably because I know my own weaknesses. And I knew that that would, you know, I might go, yeah, man, I want to come there. Oh, I can't do that. And I didn't want to allow any of my personal feelings to get in the way of it. So anytime I talked to a church, and when I called, when I accepted the call to come here, I had no idea what they were going to pay me. And I hadn't even told them what I made. Now, after that, they, we had a discussion, and they came back, and then they told me. But I, I'm just going to ask you something, because that – and I get it. I'm not saying if you're a contractor and somebody asks you to paint a house that you should just go, well, I'm going to find out what you're going to pay me later. I'm not saying. But for me, that was the way to do it in this. That was me having an undivided loyalty that I decided ahead of time that I was going to trust that God was going to take care of me and my family, and I wasn't going to worry, and I wasn't going to let that get in the way. I was going to go no matter what they said. And so I'm going to ask you a question now. Do I look like I have starved at any point? No. Has my family ever walked into this building and fainted because they didn't have enough to eat? Have they ever showed up here wearing rags because we couldn't put clothes on their back? Have we ever come to this church and said, well, man, the tent was blown away. I sure wish we could afford to rent or live in some kind of structure instead of living in a tent. 
No. You want to know why? Because God's always taking care of us. That's what he does. Matter of fact, Jesus said, why are you worried about all these things? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. You're worried about your clothes and what you're going to eat and where you're going to stay. Quit worrying about that junk. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be of undivided loyalty that, God, I'm going to do it your way. God, when it comes time for me to start looking for a husband or looking for a wife, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to decide now what I'm doing. I'm going to do it your way. And you know what? That may eliminate a large portion of the possible dating pool, but I'm going to do it right, and I'm going to do it your way. God, I'm not going to take a job that's going to cost me my family. God, I'm going to I'm going to be loyal to you first. You give me your wisdom. I don't care how much they're offering. I don't care how much. I'm going to do it your way. I want you to tell me what to do here. And you know what the scripture says? He'll tell you. He'll show you. He'll give you wisdom. Because you know what? Sometimes wisdom is not, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this, you know, God, should I be, you know, a pastor or a drug dealer? It's not always that simple, is it? Sometimes it's, it's things that are good, but you don't know what's on the other side of them. And so you need God to give you wisdom. God, what do, what do I do here? But whatever you tell me, God, even if, even if it's not what I was expecting, even if it's not maybe the answer I wanted to hear, you tell me and you show me. And you give me wisdom. You want to get wisdom from God, it's available. But you've got to commit to doing what God wants you to do before he's going to tell you what to do. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. See, if we're just kind of searching around trying to determine what our best option is. And yeah, God's way is one of those options. God, I'm, I'm going to honor you with the way that I, that I seek and I, I look for that person that I might marry someday unless, you know, as, as long as they're on the same page. But if they're not, maybe I'll go their way. That's being unsettled. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get blown away, blown around by every wave and by every wind. You have to choose up front. It's like Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day who you will follow. Choose this day which wisdom you are going to live by. God's wisdom or earthly wisdom. That decision will determine every other decision. You need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. But when you ask Him, make sure your faith is in God alone. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? You know, for some of us, maybe you've not made that decision. 
to trust him alone. And maybe you haven't made that decision regarding your salvation either. And here's what I want you to know. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And there is a, it's a simple plan of salvation. It wasn't easy. It took God sending his only son. And it took an agonizing death on the cross. But it's simple for us. And here's what it comes down to. There's three simple elements. Number one, you've got to admit that you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's me, that's you, that's everyone. Everyone sinned. You've got to ask forgiveness of your sins. The second thing is you've got to believe that Jesus is God's son. He wasn't just a guy. He was God's son. He was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. And then he died on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to pay the penalty for our sin. You've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe that he died on the cross for your sins and that he rose on the third day according to Scripture. And then the last thing, and this is where it becomes yours. It's not just something that you have in your mind. It goes beyond just knowledge to being personal and to you possessing it. It says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That you have to grab hold of that and confess Jesus as Lord. In other words, he's going to be the boss of your life. Now, you're not going to be perfect following him. Nobody is. So don't think, well, I, can, I got to go and get this right and do this and do that. You come as you are. Obedience comes after. And you're going to fail. But God's going to be with you. And he's going to help you stand up and start again. But you have to believe and you have to confess him as Lord. And so if that's something that you've not done and you'd like to do that today, I want to give you the opportunity to do it today. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. It's short. I'll do it in short phrases. You can repeat it after me. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But pray it with me right now. If that's you and you want to know that your sins are forgiven, that you have a right relationship with God, and that that relationship is going to last for eternity, you pray this with me right now. Dear God, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life, clinic. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sin. And I believe he rose on the third day, according to Scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess Him as my Lord. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to speak in front of anyone. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. Pray that prayer today in a minute. I want you to do. I just want you to look up at me. I want to pray for you in just a moment. You prayed that today in a minute. You look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Okay. All right. 
okay? So here's what I want to encourage you to do. You prayed that prayer day and you meant it, or you've done it sometime recently and you haven't told anyone. I want to encourage you to let someone know. We would love to hear from you. There's a number on the screen that you can just text SAVE to that word, to that number, and we will get back with you and try to set up a time to talk either in person or on the phone. And we don't want anything from you. You don't even have to join this church. You're welcome to. But all we want to do is help make sure you understand the decision that you made and then that you understand what the next steps in following Jesus are. And so we would love to hear from you. And if you'd rather, in a few moments, there'll be a staff member here at the front who's going to dismiss us in a word of prayer. And you can come down and talk to them, and we'll have somebody talk to you today. Or if you'd rather set up a time in person to talk some other time, we'd love to do that as well. But we would love to help you in this next part of your journey. So thank you for being here today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your love. And Father, I pray for those that came to a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus, today. And Father, I just pray that you would help them to find the right church, the place they need to be to grow in their faith, to learn and to grow in wisdom. And Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. And Lord, for each of us, Father, let us look into our own hearts and determine that our loyalty is undivided, that you alone are our God, and that, Father, we are committed to following your ways and your wisdom. And thank you, Lord, for your promise to give that to us whenever we need. Father, we ask and we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.